Do not confuse this with treatment or mental health advice or direction. Nothing on this podcast is made to supplement or supersede the relationship and direction of your mental health caretakers. Although David Kozlowski is a licensed marriage and family therapist, he is not functioning as a certified mental health professional in this environment. But same applies to any professionals who may appear on the Light the Fight podcast. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Light the Fight. I am your repeat offender host, David. <laughs> and I'm Heidi, and I am just hanging on for dear life. So guys, it's I'm good. We're good. I'm just happy to be here. <laughs> Maybe you should change your uh, your tagline from Hello Heidi to Hang on, Heidi. <laughs> that would be helpful because it'd just be that reminder, like just keep on hanging on. <laughs> it's like Heidi, take the wheel instead of Jesus. Don't let go of it yet. Don't let go of it yet. Don't let go. Oh my gosh. I mean, you know, it's kind of it's and it's not even anything negative or bad or hard. It's just like, man, the holidays just it just serves it up with extra helpings, all the things. And um, and I feel like the days are shorter and I don't know. I'm just, I'm just barely, I'm just wondering. Oh my gosh. Anyway, sorry. I'm, I just want you guys to know going into this, if I seem like I'm not like a, like I don't know what I'm talking about. It's because I probably don't. <laughs> Luckily for you, Heidi, um, I'm going to kick off things today with talking about a toast for the holidays. And before we get into talking about a toast for holidays and I explain to all of our listeners out there how this is something I've used throughout the years over the holidays uh, to help my clients be able to either A, have a better holiday than they did last year, or B, sometimes they just want to start a new tradition or they want to have, maybe they didn't have a bad holiday last year. And they just want to continue to have, you know, an even better year. Because if it was up to anyone, most people would say, I would like each holiday season to be better than the last. Even if the last was great, you want to at least duplicate a good one. You definitely don't want to repeat a horrible one. And for some of you out there, and all joking aside, this may be the first holiday you have to have without a loved one. Maybe it's the first holiday where you don't get to have your kids over the holidays. Maybe it's the first holiday you're looking at the Christmas tree and you're like, looking kind of slim underneath there because uh daddy didn't make enough money to get everybody a pair of shoes this year everyone's going through something out there and whether you're financially secure not financially secure whether your relationships in your life are secure they're not secure everyone wants to make the best out of the holidays no one wants to be the grinch no one wants to be bah humbug in fact people only get bah humbug when they feel like they've got no other options so we're going to talk about toasting to the holidays and it's a little thing that like i said I've had uh, families do, and every single time they've come back with just really deep, heartfelt experiences that um, that helped even the worst holidays be manageable, and it helped just regular holidays turn into great, memorable holidays. But before I do that, just want to remind everybody, um, if you need glasses, please go to lingoeyewear.com, L-I-I-N-G-O, eyewear.com, backslash light the fight. 
and use our promo code, just the full name, Light the Fight, for $30 off your first pair of glasses. And also want to give a shout out to 1-800-CONTACTS for their continued support for our podcast. Without them, we just wouldn't be able to bring you all this deliciousness, ear goodness, and make you cry, laugh, well, hopefully make you laugh. Whether it's at us or with us, it's a win, right? A laugh's a laugh. I'll take it as a compliment. That's right. Yeah. Um, so let's just jump right in this episode because hang on, Heidi. We, we, you know, we, we only got about five <laughs> minutes left and you can not. I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, but I want to jump into it because um, without further ado, everybody's got holiday stuff they got to get going to, including Heidi. I know she's a big time her year for her work. And also, too, I think this one's going to be kind of just straight to it, because as I said before, and Heidi is definitely um, no stranger to uh, just holiday blues, holiday uncertainty. Um, maybe you have plans for the holiday and then you go, eh, let's yard sale those plans and just, just stay home and, you know, just eat microwave dinners instead of doing something really fancy sometimes. And some of you may have, you know, holiday plans that you really just don't want to go to. <laughs> maybe there's family and friends you... You would opt out if you could. You're like, can we zoom in? You're like, can I still say that I'm scared of uh, getting corona or whatever it is? Like, <laughs> scared of the flu, or whatever, just because, you know, and I'm not saying there's not reason to be scared of that. I'm just saying, like, that was a good thing about the pandemic for many people confessed to me secretly behind, you know, the, the therapy confessional walls of say, I kind of like not having to show up to some of these things, <laughs> having a good excuse. So let's just jump right into it. Um, Heidi, when I brought up this topic to you before we get in, like, to the depths of it, what did you think about when I said, hey, let's talk about helping people have a better holiday because everyone wants to have either a return to a good holiday or at least grieve a holiday uh, from the past. It was horrible. Or, you know, sometimes just, you know, make the best out of a bad situation because some holidays, there's no way you can put lipstick on that pig. There's no <laughs> way there's no way you can just make this a special holiday when it's a hurtful, painful one. Well. I mean, you guys know, like David said, there's no stranger to me, like having my own like holiday stress and issues and, and stuff like that. What, what I really like about this particular topic that David's kind of given me a little bit of a preview to, so I know we're going, but you know, the, the saying that goes something like, it's not about what you say, it's about how you make them feel. Um, I genuinely believe that maybe there's no truer statement or no truer truth, um, particularly when it comes to experiences and holidays. Um, I say that because, you know, if you, if you were to go to your kids and say, do you remember what presents you got last year or the year before or the year before? Likely they don't remember exactly what, you know, maybe you remember one present or maybe there's one thing that stands out. Or um, they remember what they didn't get. I'm just kidding. <laughs> right, right. I didn't get a new car. But in like in scrapbooking, um, when I teach memory keeping, one of the things that I share and, and probably our listeners would would agree we remember the really intense feelings, um, times when we, we had intense feelings. It might be intensely great feelings 
or it might be intensely horrible feelings. We might not remember like all the things that happened or all the things that led up to it. Like, in fact, sometimes have you ever been like, I don't even know what we were fighting about, but that was the worst fight ever. You you know, like we don't really remember the details, but we can remember how we felt. And I think that is something that obviously we can't, we don't have control over going into a holiday situation, but no matter the circumstances, which every single holiday season is going to have things that are great, things that are not great people, you know, even you go into a family and you've got one family that's just riding high, they got a new promotion and they got a new boat and everything's great. And then you got another family that's dealing with a divorce or, you know, um, a loss or whatever. And it's hard to be happy when somebody that you love is struggling. And so what I love about what you're about to, to say is that this is a way that you can create a feeling, a good feeling, a feeling of recognition, a feeling of connection that can be a benchmark feeling for the holiday. And maybe that if it's, if it's that sincere and it has this much connection, it can really rise to the top and be one of the, you know, top two or three feelings of this holiday season. Yeah. Um, I, I couldn't agree with you more, Heidi, the, the holidays, I think most people would agree once the presents kind of like what you're saying, once the presents have been unwrapped, once all the shoppings you know been done and you're after Christmas and you're looking forward to the new year, um, the, the memories, the moments, those are things that stick with us the most, whether they be good or bad. And, um, how I came up with this and, and I call this toast to the holidays is I was talking to this guy, client of mine a long time ago, gosh, geez, uh, over a decade ago. Now that I think about it, probably about 11 years ago. He was a dad that wasn't, um, he wasn't happy with his, his kids were getting older. Some of them had kids already. And, you know, like, I think it was somewhere like in the older, he had that span of kids where he had some that were like older twenties that had a few kids, you know, older teenagers and then younger teenagers kind of like spanning out throughout like about a 15 year period. And, you know, he was, he said his goal was he just wanted everybody to get along for the holiday. They're doing a big family dinner and it was a Christmas dinner. He goes, I want everybody to get along, but I know it's not going to happen because I'm just making up names now because Susie's mad at Tommy and, Tom's wife doesn't like Susie's husband and like there's all these different like little dynamics, you know, and then the teenagers, they just want to hang out with their friends. And he just had he sat there and told me all the reasons why it was going to go bad after he confessed that he wanted nothing more than for it to go good. Like that was the only present he wanted. And so he goes, I had a plan, David. Here's my plan is I want to tell everybody that um, can you guys just all get along because that would be my gift. This guy had a lot of money. His kids were like, dad, what can we get for you? What can we get for you? And he just kept on telling them. I was like, well, you can just get along. Just, you know, not fight at Christmas dinner. So his idea was, he goes, I'm going to stand up in front of the Christmas dinner. He said he's not much of a public speaker. So I'm going to stand up in front of everybody and say, hey, listen, you know, you guys have been asking me what do I want for dinner or dinner for the holidays. 
And so I'm just going to stand up and tell them, I just want you guys not fight tonight. Everybody get along and everybody have a great time. And I said, so what do you think about that idea? I said, oh, well, you know, I mean, uh, I don't know. I mean, uh, have you ever tried that? He goes, every year, I say the same thing. Okay, well, <laughs> well how, how does that work out? Well, they always fight and, you know, you know, they always go, well, dad, you know, it's not my fault. It's, it's Dan's fault. And then this, and, and they always, and he says that as they gotten older, they become cynical and mock. And they said, okay, who's, who, who's going to start the family fight this year? And whether it's politics or, you know, at that time, it wasn't the politics that we're going through right now, but whether it was politics, religion, they were just too much of a mixed bag for everybody to sit together and just have a, you know, like a really good heart to heart. And I told him, I said, I got something that you could do. And I explained to him what I'm about to tell you guys. And after I explained it to him, he was like, oh, no, I can't do that. I, I said, well, why not? He goes, well, I, I'm, I'm not a good speaker. I'm not a good public speaker. I go, well, are you doing it outside in the snow? I didn't ask you to go to the mall and do this to a bunch of strangers. I said, this is your family. He goes, well, I just, I, I, I stumble over my words. I this, I that. I just don't feel comfortable speaking. I said, okay, so you want every single one of your kids to follow your example as the leader and your example is to tell them to not fight, which is the same thing you've told them every year and they just fight. And they, now they're mocking you because they think it's funny. It's like a joke that they're going to fight. So eventually I won the debate and here was the instructions that I gave him. Now I didn't call it toast till the holidays until after I had about five or six other families start to do it throughout the years. And then it was working so well, I just kind of like everything. I just kind of named it something. And so here's what I told him to do. And I do this in a different way with the teens at my groups. I, I, I talked about this recently I, uh, on the Patreon. I do this with uh, um, the kids in my class. Um, this was just a different approach. So what he did was, and what I told him to do was, I said, this time I want you to stand up in front of your family. And instead of telling them, can you guys please all not fight this year and them to mock you and make fun of you and fight anyways. I want you to stand up in front of them and just tell them that you want to do something that you've never done before. And then tell them that you're nervous and you're scared because you are. I said, have you ever stood up in front of your kids and said, you're nervous and scared to talk in front of them? He goes, no, but they all know. I said, but have you ever said it? He said, no. It's okay. Well, it's going to be different this time because you're going to tell them. You're going to confess this to them. I said, as soon as you stand up, and just like I was freaking Miss Cleo, because I predicted it, hit it right on the head. Like I was Miss Cleo. Miss Cleo is not real, if you guys remember her, but I'm just trying to make a point. <laughs> um, I told him, I go, you're going to stand up and you're going to say that you're scared and you're nervous to talk to them. And this is something that is going to be different than anything you've ever said before in past years. I go, at that moment, all the chatter from the table, everyone that was talking, kind of like, oh, here dad goes again, is going to stop. And it's going to get quiet. Everybody's going to be going, well, what's going on? What's, what's going on with dad? This is different. So, and then I said, after you do that, I want you to tell them something that you've been working on, something that has been very sensitive for you. And in this case, it was, he was worried that he was leaving behind lots of money to his kids and they were going to not be friends and not be close. He was scared that the only reason why they ever get together is because him and the mom spend tons of money 
having cabin trips. They owned a cabin. They own this. It's like the only way he could get all the kids to come together is there had to be like a hundred thousand dollar boat involved, uh, you know, a, a million dollar cabin. There had to be a California paid trip, flights paid to Hawaii. And so he was feeling resentful inside that he had to spend thousands and thousands of dollars just for his kids to fight when he was just wanting them to have a good time. And just for the teenagers, say, I want to bring up friends. And then the friends don't even hang out with the family. Right. So he, he mentioned to them in his, in his speech and he did the best job he could. I helped him practice for this. He stood up in front of them and told them that, that his confession and what he wanted to share with them, that he's been really working on not trying to just make everybody get along and make everybody be happy, but instead for him to personally be a better example of what happiness is. And then he confessed that he knows that all the mockery and all the comments that they all make, that he's always grumpy, that he only cares about work and that he's always uptight about everything. The boat has to be cleaned in a certain way. And he had all these really weird, like OCD ish, like requirements of every trip. He realized through my counseling with him is that he's not really that fun to be around. <laughs> he's not bringing the fun. He's expecting everyone to have fun to make him feel more relaxed so that he can have fun. But since nobody understands all these little intricate details that he has to have right, even his wife can't even have fun because she's worried that she's going to piss him off. The kids are worried that, you know, they're going to make him mad or upset. And he realized in my counseling set in our counseling sessions that he was the one modeling for everybody. And so by them arguing, it was, they were just doing what he taught them how to do. Be grumpy, critical and nitpick one another. And he started to cry and he confessed that he said, my whole entire life, I swore that I didn't want to be like my dad. He goes, but I sit here and look at you guys my whole entire life when I was in my twenties and thirties, where I was mocked and made fun of my dad because as he got older, no one was scared of him anymore. It was our way of letting him know that we didn't like what he did, but we loved him. We were just going to mock him because we could. And he goes, I realized you guys do the same thing with me. So I'm standing here and telling you guys, I'm sorry. And I'm not going to stand up here and tell you for Christmas. Can you guys just all get along? He'd always be like, how much do I got to pay for you? I'll pay you guys not to fight today. Right. But with his kids, it wasn't about the money because they had always had money. He'd always, they'd always been wealthy since they could remember. So after he got done saying that, he said, and now he goes, I want to admit to everybody, I've been going to therapy. And the whole room was like, you could have heard a pin drop. Because nobody knew. And it was his wife that strongly encouraged him, forced him uh, to go to therapy. Because <laughs> uh, she's like, you can afford to take me on a trip, but you can't afford therapy. So he realized at this age in his life, he started to become sensitive. And there was one thing that meant to him more than anything else. And I kind of already said this is that he didn't want to just leave behind money. He wanted to leave behind memories. And he'd failed to do that. So to finish up the story, he, he went around to every single one of his kids, his, a, couple of, a couple of his kids were married to their, to their spouses. He gave every single one of them a very sincere, like, I just want to let you know that you've turned into a great mother. And he said this to his son's daughter, or son's, his daughter-in-law, son's wife, that he had always been very critical of. Because she was very bullish. And so she would argue with him. They'd play like board games and she would be the only one. And the son was like very passive. He's the oldest son. The dad's alpha male. And the oldest son would be like, 
don't argue with my dad. And the, the wife was like, no, your dad's a bully. I'm gonna like, and so they'd go back and forth. And he said, you know what? I respect you. You don't put up with my crap. And I'm sorry that I, I, I'm not a better example to you of a father, a father-in-law. And I'm always like confrontational with you. I should just not worry about if I win the game of Uno or whatever the heck they're doing. And he goes, I'm sorry. I've been a good example to you. And, and I, I need to be, you know, you're a great mother. And as he was giving her a compliment, I remember asking him like, cause this was the one he talked a lot about and he went with her first. And I go, what was her response? He said, she started to tear up. And he goes, I see. He goes, when I saw her cry, he goes, just, it started flowing in front of me. He's like, I'm so sorry. He's like, I just, then he told the son how proud of him he is. He goes, he said, I'm proud of you because all these things. And he said, but I'm mostly proud of you because you're not like me. And the son got up and gave him a big hug from the dinner table. And the dad just started bawling. And the son hugged him. And said, dad, dad. And he said, no, 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 don't. Because he knew from me. He's like, don't tell me I'm, I'm a good dad. I'm, don't, I'm not saying I'm a bad dad. I'm saying I'm realizing that my best accomplishment is making a son that's better than me. He goes, you don't want to be like me, son. I've, I've been struggling for many years. I'm angry. I'm upset. Not because of accident, because I'm hard on myself. So he went around the room. Everybody it took like 30 minutes. And when he got done, you, you could have heard a pin drop. The mom was crying. And the mom just looked towards him and just said, well, I want to give you a compliment and said something to the dad. And then the mom confessed that, you know, she's like, I was the one that wanted him to go to counseling. But she realized that after all these years, she said, everyone's made for your dad and everybody looks at me like I'm the perfect angel, but I'm the angriest one in the room. Your dad wears the anger on his sleeve, but I've been holding resentment towards him. And she made a couple funny jokes about their intimacy and other things. <laughs> she was like, trust me, I've been very resentful towards your dad for many years. And she's like, I'm so proud of your dad. She gave him like, your dad is my dream man because he's finally opening up and talking about his feelings. And all the kids were like, What's going on? You guys been going to therapy? Like what the heck's happening? So as they went around the room, all the kids started saying something that they've been working on personally, thanking the parents, giving compliments to one another in a very just organic, natural way. No one told the kids that they had to go. They just felt the need to go. And that was a very important part because I told the dad what to do. He's like, okay, well then after I do that, do I just tell him, okay, who's going to go next? I go, no, you don't ask who's going to go next. <laughs> I said, you don't need to ask. He's like, well, knowing them, they're not going to say anything. They're just going to sit me, let me sit there and look like a bubbling, bubbling idiot crying like a baby. I go, trust me, no one's going to leave you hanging. And sure enough, nobody did. From the little kids, some of the grandkids say, grandpa, you're the best. Grand it was just the most intimate moment. He came back with his wife came back and she was like, go ahead, tell him. He's like, Okay, you're right. It was like the best Christmas ever. <laughs> like, it was just like, he couldn't wait to tell me all the stories and everything. And he said, he goes, look at these texts. He showed me the texts because I didn't see him till like after the holidays were over. Like it'd been like two or three weeks. He showed me texts on a group chat from his family. He goes, here's what the text before I, that conversation. And he said the text afterwards. Um, and those texts, actually, it wasn't a group text. It was a chat. It was a chat between him and his, I forget what it was. It was something along the lines where he was getting messages from his kids of like, dad, how you doing? He just wanted them to like check on him where he was always asking how he was doing. Come to find out they didn't feel like they could talk to their dad like that. So I think you guys get what I'm saying. A toast to the holidays became something I started to give to people. And I would tell them the story and say, if you want your family to be closer, despite good times or bad times, because like you said, Heidi, 
some people in that family dinner table could could have just gotten a brand new Cadillac and other people may have just lost their job. You don't know where people are at, but one thing you can guarantee is that even the person that got the Cadillac, even the person got their job, they have things close to their chest that they've been trying to improve and, and, and just work, work on. Sometimes people don't want to talk about their dirty laundry, but if they get to say it in a sense that, hey, instead of saying, all right, everybody go around the room and tell us something that you're insecure and shameful of, that's a tougher sell. But if you say, go around the room and just let everybody know something that you're proud of yourself on, you can pat your back, pat yourself on the back on something you're working on. And then also give a compliment to someone else that, uh, that you just see something about them. That right there became the toast of the holidays and multiple families throughout the years that have tried it. They've all had different experiences in, you know, how they approached it, but they all had the same outcome. And the outcome was they are going to remember that holiday dinner that they had together. What do you think about that, Heidi? Well, I will just share one little thing. And first of all, I can relate to being scared. Like the dad's feelings of, okay, I can't do that. And not even because I don't feel like I'm a good public speaker. I feel uncomfortable public speaking. I think that you just, there's no way for him to know how that was going to go. Right. From, from the beginning, like because anytime we start to think about being vulnerable, what we see in our head is the crash and burn. Rarely do we see like, Oh, you know, that that's like only David sitting in the back, like with his arms folded, like, I know where this is going. Everybody else is like, Oh no, this could go. Yeah. They're thinking about the crash, not the Kumbaya. <laughs> right. Um, and I will, I will say this, um, What I love about this is taking this moment to really be a family leader. And I think that does, it doesn't matter who it comes from because everybody can be a family leader, actually. Like everybody can be a, somebody that's putting the interest of the family first, you, you know, um, we had Thanksgiving this year at, at my house and we wound up having it like five days before Thanksgiving. And I asked every member of the family to write down one thing that they were thankful for about each person. Right. And everybody was like, I hate doing this and mad. And, and, and yet everybody did it. And I compiled the lists and then read them. And the way that everybody felt when they heard what people were saying about them and um, my mom fell down that night, like right before we had our Thanksgiving dinner, my mom fell at her facility and several of us ended up at the ER. And so like all of my dreams of how I really wanted it to go down were a bust. Like I wanted to make these beautiful foiled cards that had you know that had their name on like I wanted this beautiful presentation that was in my mind and I'd been working for days on these on them and because of what went down I wasn't able to like get to the finish line and I was devastated because I was like everybody gave these thoughtful messages and I thought it was ruined and 
instead I just took this moment and I started reading them. And every person, when it was their turn, kind of just, you know, put their head down and just soaked in the love. And there is not anybody that doesn't need to hear what other people perceive is good about them. And, you know, in my family, the adults mostly like the food, right? But the kids are eating nuggets. And there was, there's like the meme that's like, we're going to spend three days and the kids are just going to eat these rolls. (laughs) You know, like my kids don't care about Thanksgiving dinner. They don't like to sit there. They don't have like to have to sit and be in these conversations. They'd rather be downstairs playing hockey or, you know, goofing off with their cousins, but not one person wanted to leave the table. And it wasn't, it didn't start from a confession, which I think there's a lot of power in that starting from this confession of this is what I really hoped. And this is where my weaknesses and and really sharing that because that just opens up the soil or, you know, the ground that lays the groundwork for this experience. If, if you are able to make that kind of confession and really um, lay your heart on the line from the beginning, but I can tell you that every person that was sitting at that table and there was laughing and there was crying um, will remember nothing about the food, not, not, nobody even will know what I hoped that it was going to be like, or the beautiful cards that I was planning. Um, but every single person I know felt loved and a, and a part of the family. And there's no there's no money. There's no perfect circumstance or great table setting, or there's nothing that takes the place of just the feeling of belonging and, and connecting. And if that's, I mean, I think like what you said, if, if that was the only thing that you took away, it would be enough. You know, I, I have the the advantage of having talked to so many families about their family experiences and seeing so many commonalities. So many people, it becomes just a box that they check. Okay, we're going to get together a family dinner. We're going to have the same type of meal. We're going to do the same type of thing. Then we're all going to kind of have exchange some pleasantries. Everybody's going to go off into their little cliques and groups. Certain people are closer to other people and they're going to have a conversation. A couple of people are going to be left out. Oh, how you been? Okay, how you doing? Blah. And then that's it. And then, okay, I got to get home. Got to take pictures. You know, the kids run around. And so when I hear these common themes, every now and then I'll see families that they're like, let's do something different. And they try so hard to be like, like you said, let's make the placemats different. The foils different. Like let's do something different in these way, in this way. Ultimately what makes it different is what you said, Heidi, not the way it looks, not the way the food tastes is how everybody feels when they leave the dinner. If it's the same feeling, then it was just another holiday dinner. And so the reason why I started calling it toast to the holidays is because what is the holidays really supposed to be? 
time for family, holiday meaning not working, spending time together, enjoying things, giving gifts, giving gratitude. Well, are those things actions that we do or are they experiences and memories that we log as life experiences? And if they, if we get to be fortunate enough to have experiences that we can remember because they were worth remembering, not just because they were so traumatizing, <laughs> right. then those experiences are things we are going to want to duplicate. If you want to, if you have a great experience, you're going to want to duplicate it. Emotional memory can be both bad and both good. You have that memory of the holidays because you did something different to change the feeling. And I, and I feel so bad for so many families because they work so hard, do all this heavy lifting to try to cultivate, spend tons of money when really they just need someone to go first and to have an idea, be brave enough and put it out there. I know with my, my wife's family, cause I don't really, um, my parents are, are gone and my family's spread out and we're just not that close anyways. Like no one gets together with my family unless there's a death. That's just the way it is. I'm not a family therapist by accident. Hey, yo. Anyways, <laughs> but with my wife's family, um, I'm going to do this this year because I think it'd be a really good year to do it because a lot of people have gone through many life changes in, in the past couple of years. A um, couple of past years, it might have been a little bit too raw for people to do something like this. But this is, I feel, a really good year. And I'm just going to go first. And the good thing about it, you don't have to have everybody listen to this podcast. You don't have to say, okay, here's the rules. Here's how the game plays. You just do it. You just listen to what we talked about. You just go first. And trust me, people get it. They'll feel, they'll feel this thing inside of them that they'll sit there and go, okay, I'm going to say something. Like they just feel like they have to say yeah. something. <laughs> and I wanted, I wanted to say, you know, like in families, we love each other, but it, we don't always like each other. Right. And so there might be some people that ju really just don't like somebody else. But what I found is that we can find something nice to say. And those little nice breadcrumbs or olive branches or whatever, start little baby healing um, opportunities. And so I think that that was something else. There was, there was one person that said to me, you know, what did you write about this person? Cause I cannot think of a single thing to say. And I was like, Oh, that's really sad. And then this person like had to think and had to think and had to think. And then finally what they wrote down about this other person was actually really tender. And it wasn't just like, you know, some people, it's just easy to rattle off all the things that you love or all the things that you're thankful for. This very thoughtful thing turned out to be very meaningful, you know? And, um, and so I think that I don't, I, I love that you're saying you don't have to make a plan. And I think in fact, if you don't make a plan, um, more effective it's yeah it's easy it's a little bit easier <laughs> because the fear will cause you to think okay how do i overcome my fear let me structure this let me write down what i'm going to say up front Nah, you got to shoot from the hip and by the way a little hack to make it even more powerful pick the person like if you are only going to comment on one person or two people pick one person that would be the least likely person 
to expect you to mention something that you've seen different or some change in them. Don't do the safe one, the person you talk to all the time. I mean, you can, but if you pick two people outside of yourself, pick one person just out of like someone that's like kind of like an easy one for you that you can really say some heartfelt things because they'll love it. But pick someone in the family that maybe you haven't really been that close with. Because even if you're not really close with someone, you can have observations of things that you've seen that they've gone through, things that they've experienced. I know in a lot of families, you know, there's been that person that someone has beef with and someone has ill feelings towards. But maybe you had ill feelings towards that person that were, maybe it started 10 years ago. But if you look at them right now, you're like, you know what? I remember this one guy, he said, uh, he gave a compliment to his brother-in-law. He's never close to his brother-in-law, didn't really like his brother-in-law. But when he first met his brother-in-law, his brother-in-law was going through divorce. Now that he married his sister, he's seen over the past like decade or whatever, he's seen that the guy, you know, when I first met you, you know, I was a little skeptical about you and because I'm protecting my sister, but I've seen you grow into quite amazing father and you love your kids. Now, does he love the guy as a personality? Would they be best friends? Are they going to share lockets together and BFF lockets? No, but- he was being but he was being honest when he said, you know, you do love your kids though. And I see that you're you're a good father. Now, privately, it's, he's not necessarily the type of father that he doesn't father the way he'd father, but he does love his kids unquestionably. He's not a bad dad. You know, he, he does love his kids. And so after he said that, I go, What did your brother-in-law say? He goes, he was speechless. He like the rest of the table, like the rest of the dinner when people were talking, doing this. He didn't say a word. And then when we're done, he goes, hold on, I want to say something. And then he said something back kind to him. He goes, that was a huge, he goes, my wife, trust me, I got brownie points for the whole next year for that one. My <laughs> wife was like, well, you guys just get along. <laughs> so always make sure that you pick out someone who it's not easy for you because that's a bigger statement when you can make an observation and show someone that you see growth in them, even if you're not necessarily best friends or on even have the same beliefs or thoughts or opinions about life. I, I love that suggestion because that is not going to, that, that in true, like David form is not going to be your instinctual. Let me, let me do it this way, you know? And it's so. going to set the tone for everybody else. Because if you, if you swing for the fence and you make a big, bold one with someone that no one expects, then what the group sees like, Oh, okay. So we're opening this up to everybody. Okay. I get it now. All right. Like, so this can be like, there, there's no like right. safe lane. You can really stretch it out and just make comments about anyone. And it can be general. It's heartfelt, but it doesn't have to be like, you've been there for me my whole life. And I just want to tell you how much I love you. Cause those are like, kind of like, that's something you'd say to your BFF on an Instagram post or like just out of calm. But when you say the big ones, it's like, everybody's like, Ooh, Oh, we're, we're, we're going deep now. <laughs> right. Right. And it makes like I said, that brings that feeling that isn't going to be there normally. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. All right. Well, I'm going to take it. I'm going to take it to heart. You know, I've got. Go for it. I've got a new, I've got a new daughter-in-law this Christmas that I got to put my, you know, best face on for, for sure. Oh, <laughs> I've got I got to mention this. Everyone that listens to this, try not to be too sarcastic because I have had people bomb when they try to open up with like a joke or a punchline. It's like, you know, I first met you. I thought you're really ignorant and stuck up. And then, and then instead of being funny about it, like, 
you know, and, and remember that one time and they just go on and on. You're like, wait, wait, what's the compliment here? It's like, be careful if you don't have a good relationship with someone, like a really tight relationship with someone, leave sarcasm out of it. If you want to be light and humorous, do it at a different time in, in, in the Christmas party, but don't do it right then with someone who you're trying to give a compliment to. Because a lot of people, how they deal with feeling uh, uneasy about talking publicly or in, in a group of people, they try to crack a joke. But when you're nervous and when you're trying to be funny, it's rarely funny. Well, I appreciate it. Good suggestion for sure. Sorry, I didn't mean to catch up, but I just forgot about that one. I'm like, I know there's some people out there. It's going to go, well, I could do that. I'm just going to say something stupid and stick my foot in my mouth and then give a compliment. <laughs> well, we were saying like when you get in, we've said this before, when you get it feeling uncomfortable, kind of your go-to is like, let me relieve all of this discomfort by trying to be funny yeah. or sarcastic. And um, I think what, we're saying in this moment is allow the discomfort to reign a little. Yeah. Yeah. It's called pressured speech. And when you get that pressured speech, you end up either talking too much, saying something that's not funny or just in general, just making a fool out of yourself and you're trying to be genuine. <laughs> so be care, be mindful of that be careful about that one. All right, you guys. Well, as we, as we head into the next few holiday opportunities, um, Remember everything that we've ever taught you in all of the episodes that you've listened. Don't let David down. He's counting on you. <laughs> um, no. we, want to, we want messages in the DM about how, how amazing this was and how much it worked and brought your family together. Cause ultimately you guys have never given out any of these that didn't work as long as people followed the rules and just went for it. Like don't try to structure it. Don't try too hard. You don't have to fly the whole family to Tahiti on Christmas just to do this. You can do it in your own home. <laughs> That's right. All right, you guys. Thank you for listening. Thank you for being here. Thank you for wanting to have better relationships in your families. And thank you for helping us to light the fight.